everyone, and welcome to the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror-adjacent films you can stream on the internet. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is a friendly ghost who likes to haunt MRIs just for funsies, Mars. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> hey, girl. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, just at the tail end of quarantine still like now phasing back into real life is a little weird it's like that light at the end of the tunnel that we've been talking about i can almost feel it on my skin so, so here close. the problem is is then you're gonna be so excited you're gonna reach that light and then you're gonna be like it kind of burns <laughs> <laughs> now i'm a little scared i kind of want to stay in the tunnel a little bit i am a little <laughs> bit curious about what if everybody's transition is gonna be like going back out into the world you know, yeah. and I know there are a lot of people who over the last few months have been like, ah, whatever, and been going to bars and things like that. But like as a general population, when we're all released again, yeah. really curious to see how that's going to go. I mean, I mean, we I think we will have all forgotten our social skills for sure. I hope so, because that evens the playing field for me, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> you're so crazy (laughs) you're like we're all super awkward yay (laughs) i mean i guess i probably should feel the same exact way Uh, i'm just worried that i'm gonna like everybody has taken like three steps back including myself so i'm still three steps behind i'm just three steps behind where i used to be (laughs) but enough about this that's not what this podcast is about so today we are going to be reviewing the possession a movie that almost makes me want to quit going to estate sales until i remember those sweet sweet deals uh <laughs> that that's true there was a moment where i was like am i playing with fire and then i was like mm, but those hats yeah i mean <laughs> no, you just gotta be careful it. about the object i feel like hats are not gonna bring a dibbick into your life probably not but you never know i mean we've seen on ebay there's all kinds of haunted objects Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. And I told you about the time I saw all the Mason stuff. And I was oh, like, yeah. immediately, like, it's all the stuff that women are not allowed to touch. And I was like, finger, 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 touch, 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 immediately. Because feminism. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a little warm-up question for you. First of all, I wanted to know if you think possessions are real or fake. And if you think they're real, would you want to attend one? Okay. Okay uh i see okay in my heart of hearts no i don't think they're real but it makes me feel bad if they are for the people who have suffered from you know what i mean it's yeah you know at any point in the past and someone was like i don't believe in you know whatever mental health issue and then it turns out right but i just i don't know i feel like i just don't think that they are real but if they are uh no i would never go to one no Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I think probably they're not real, and I think definitely the vast majority of them are not real. I think mostly they're mental health crisis related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's also that part of me that experienced a supernatural event. Right. And so if that can be real... Yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning to. My gut says no, but then there's also a part of my gut that's like, but... And it's but it's also only six oh two p.m. in the evening. Ask me again in about six hours. I may have a slightly different answer. Oh my gosh! So I started this movie, and you know how cats will do that thing where they'll just stare at nothing in a corner. Mm-hmm. So I oh, start yes. the movie, 
and immediately Hobie stares up into a corner. So I checked because I was like, please don't be a spider or a bug or something. (laughs) I didn't see anything. And I don't normally, and I don't let it get to me when they do that because, you know, they're cats. They do that. But she did it for 20 minutes and she started tracking it. So, and it wasn't a slow track around the room. It would be a slow track and then a quick track and a quick track and then a stare. And then a quick track and a quick, and I was looking for the bug, right? Because I was like, it's got to be a bug of some sort. Nothing. Scared the shit out of me. Forgot about that until just now. (laughs) Well, you know that cats can see a different spectrum of light than we can, Yeah, and I know that she's probably tracking dust that's reflecting a light that I can't see or something. Or she's just seeing things we can't see. (sighs) I'm just saying, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know what cats see. Stop. It's just good to have a familiar. You know what I mean? Just yeah, they I mean, can keep an eye on the shit for you. I've never seen her do it for that long. Usually it's just 30 seconds, 45 seconds, you know? But this was a full, the full first 20 minutes of this movie. She was tracking yeah. something. I feel like this movie would have ended very differently if they had a cat. Yeah. Because there's no way those moths would have survived. I know. <laughs> can you imagine putting a cat in that moth room? Oh! The bloodbath. The bloodbath of moths. <laughs> it would be bad. And moths for thousands of generations would be like well, and even, putting up even, monuments to this. Even if they had some sort of rambunctious dog even who was just like, oh yeah, I'm just running around snapping right? moths out of the air. Like, it would be it would be a bad day for that dimmick. That dimmick would be like, put me back in the box. I, know. I gotta go. That hand would have come out and just started closing the lid. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Not my children. Right? (laughs) You're on your own, Harbingers. (laughs) What do you think about moths? I'm not freaked out by moths at all. No, I'm I'm not either. Not even by the giant ones. Yeah, I just think they're pretty. Yeah, I think they're pretty. And fuzzy. Maybe if they weren't fuzzy, I wouldn't think they were so cute. Yeah. For instance, I never want an insect on me. Ever. Except for when I go to Marine World and then I'm like, I have to go to the butterfly house. I have to go to the butterfly house because I want one to land on me. Yep. <laughs> Which is totally counter to every other instinct I have. Right. And what other instance are you like, please let me be covered in insects? Right? Where I would be, de- the more that were on me, the more delighted I would be. I have a horrifying story related to this. Oh, no. This was a couple years ago. It was springtime and I was outside walking the cemetery. And I saw in front of me this cloud of ladybugs. And I was like, oh, my God, is this going to be like a magical Disney moment where I'm just surrounded in this swirling cloud of ladybugs? So I went oh, to go no. stand in it. Because ladybugs are also pretty awesome. Or are they? But should work. So I'm standing in the swirling cloud of ladybugs. And I feel like I'm in a scene from a Disney movie. And then I start looking a little bit closer and realized it wasn't ladybugs. It was <gasps> mating stink bugs. <gasps> <laughs> so... Oh, it immediately, it wasn't even like, oh, I'm running. The panic took over. So it was just flailing <laughs> with all limbs. And the only limb that you wouldn't flail was whatever. transportation. Like, it was like whatever leg was holding me up. So it was these really stilted steps while the rest of me was flailing and trying to keep these things out of my face. And it was so, it was horrible. Because it wasn't even just stink bugs. 
it was all these stink bugs that were connected to each other. They were <laughs> That's horrifying. <laughs> it's a funny story, but ooh, <laughs> God, ooh, what is happening in your graveyard between your spider bushes and now these stink bug orgies? Like, who has time for this? That I just <laughs> voluntarily walked into because I, I thought know. it was going to be a magical moment. I and it know. was for all those stink bugs, but it was a horrifying memory for me. <laughs> They're like, did you see this creep who came over I and watched know. us walk? <laughs> what do you think this is? Eyes wide shut? Jesus. <laughs> Randy just gave me the weirdest look. There's context, <laughs> sir. There's context. <laughs> oh my god, Mars. Yeah, I guess that'll teach you. Don't walk into a swarm of anything ever. Or, you know, wear your glasses. Or that. That also is an option. Yeah. You know, just reassess the situation before choosing to engage. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not, yeah. Moths don't freak me out. I guess probably if I went into inside someone's house and there was literally hundreds of them, it might be a bit overwhelming. But yeah. When you reach the quantity, there are a few things that are cuter as the quantity goes up. I'm trying to think what That's that true. is. Even swarms of frogs. I love frogs, but. When there are enough frogs, it stops being cute. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a point where cats start freaking me out when there's too many of them. I don't think so, because I want to fly all the way to Japan to go to an island. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're the exception. <laughs> Some birds, you know, it's fine when yeah. there are 10 sparrows. But when there are 80 sparrows, it, it's concerning. Well, it's, it starts to feel like they're up to something. Right, right. <laughs> You know, you're like, why are there so many of you? This is unnatural. We're about to get into the birds. Awesome. Okay. Well, we, like I said, we're going to be talking about the possession, but before we get into that, let's take a quick break and hear this advertisement from our friends over at Here's Johnny, our pod fam, basically mm -hmm. at this point. <laughs> yep. Tales of giant monsters are as old as tales themselves, but what makes those stories fit into the kaiju genre and just how scary can they be? Larry and Justin are pursuing this very knowledge on the Here's Johnny podcast, a horror show that arrives every week, just like your favorite radio drama, but instantly through forbidden sciences known as Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. There are a ton of kaiju out there to learn about. Just listen to your local emergency officials and stay out of their paths. Wait, say that again? Uh, sorry, folks, I'm getting a message from our staff. Uh, folks, we're getting reports that a massive creature has just risen off the coast of this station and is heading this way. Please follow evacuation protocol and... Listen to the Here's Johnny podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So cool. That was a message from our friends over at Here's Johnny. Probably a good time to plug, good time as any to plug right now. We actually are in the midst of a crossover event with them. Do you want to maybe tell our listeners about that, Marzi? Yeah, the guys over right here is Johnny. We're so kind as to invite us along for their journey through Saw season. So kind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do feel this is partially my fault. I was going to say. I do talk a lot about how long I've been trying to get you in front of a Saw movie. Yeah. And they are Justin's favorite movies. 
So I think when the two came together, it just meant that it was time to invite the stream queens on. So the the thing is, is you always wanted me to watch us off. Yeah. But you are also watching us off. Do you feel like this is a hoisted on your own petard situation? Yeah, I I am now seeing uh, the slight error of judgment that I made. (laughs) Yeah. They are a rough go, my friend. (laughs) Especially when we're watching them. I mean, I know Larry said he watched three of them in one night, back to back to back. And I'm like, I watched them one a night, three nights in a row. And that was a lot of saw. Yeah, my life has kind of been consumed by Saw for the last... Because I'm also playing the Saw game. Mm-hmm. So my life has become one giant Saw situation for weeks. <laughs> and we still have weeks more. That's the crazy thing. is I, We're only halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild to me. We still have 5, 6, 3D, Jigsaw, and... Spiral. Spiral. Right. So we still have... I've watched five. I have five to go. <laughs> hell has this happened <laughs> but you know yeah. what here's the thing it's the power it just speaks to the power of our four-way of friendship <laughs> that we're doing this together yeah and i will say our pain is your gain because it'll make entertaining content sure so, right yep yep <laughs> so at least by the time this comes out i think actually two episodes will be out but as of when we're recording this right now the first episode the first saw movie is out so you can head over to here's johnny and download that and check it out and uh we've recorded a couple of them and things happen happen. (laughs) next episode accurate statement (laughs) awesome all right well back to our regularly programmed show mars before we get into our review of the possession can you please let our listeners know what our spoiler policy is here Our spoiler policy is that we're going to spoil everything. We're going to talk about the whole thing from beginning to end, or as much as I can remember. And I think I would go unspoiled into this. Not necessarily because there's any sort of super twist or anything, but I I definitely think it's worth watching cold. Yeah. It adheres to a lot of the possession tropes, but there are some things that are presented in ways that you... Mm -hmm probably haven't seen before yeah (laughs) and that's really where in the fun lies of this movie so i would say don't spoil it and don't watch the trailer right i feel like the trailer probably gives away some of the best parts of this movie i also didn't watch the trailer you warned me not to watch the trailer so good because that's the best way to watch this i think yeah so if you haven't seen it pause this podcast go watch it it's on netflix at the time of this recording and uh then come back let's talk about it yeah all right. Now, this was a me pick, and the reason I selected it was because we have talked a lot about Dybbuk boxes on the show, <laughs> and I was shocked to learn that you had not seen the Dybbuk box movie, so I was like, well, what kind of friend would I be if I don't help correct that? So I selected it. It was a movie that I remember liking quite a bit, and uh, I wanted to see what you would think. I think it was after we watched Wish Upon, mm-hmm. so it is very much a, in the spooky box genre. And we're going to find yep. out if the spooky box genre is the dude in a wall <laughs> movies <laughs> for Mars. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about this. It was directed by Ole Bordell, who is a writer and director originally from Sweden. He is a celebrated radio drama, TV, and filmmaker. 
in his home country. In 1997, he made his way across the pond to the U.S. with the debut of a remake of his own film, Night Watch, which stars Ewan McGregor, Patricia Arquette, and Josh Brolin. And I haven't seen it since 1997, but I do remember thinking it was really good at the time. So he did some other things in the U.S., but then eventually returned to Denmark where he went into theater and ended up founding this hugely popular theater there and is considered one of the founders of the new Danish cinema. Although he is not a big fan of Lars von Trier, I read. Hmm. In an interview, someone asked him about it, and he was described as looking as though he had eaten something sour. Oh. Which, you know, Lars von Trier is not for everyone. No. No, no, no. no. (laughs) (laughs) So he was tapped by Ghost House Pictures, which is Sam Raimi's production company, to do another American remake of a different one of his films, the sci-fi horror film The Substitute. And production on that was going really slow, so Remy decided to ask him to take a crack at the possession, which is a loose retelling of a story about a cursed relic that was reported in the LA Times a few years before. And Borndahl, he he doesn't like typical horror movies. He basically grew up more in the psychological horror type of film. So he responded to the script because he really liked the human element of it. He wanted to really make this more of a psychological horror film. And he saw this movie basically being more of a metaphor for divorce than your standard possession movie. We'll see if we agree. I don't know. Okay. The movie was released in August 2012 and premiered at the Film for Fright Fest, where it received mixed reviews. (laughs) (laughs) There was also like a lot of people complaining about PG-13. There was a lot of backlash around PG-13 horror at the time. I think it was very much in the mix with the Platinum Dunes era, where everyone was like, this mainstream horror sucks, I hate it, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, and I think this kind of got a little bit of the tail end of that. Despite that, though, the movie ranked number one in its opening weekend. Oh. So it did pretty well. So there. Yeah, I feel like that's probably why I never saw it, because it was right at the tail end of all those kind of very systematic PG-13 horror movies, mm-hmm. and I was just kind of like, mm, I'm not here for another one. I'm good. Yeah, and this one definitely got lumped into that for sure, which, you know, for me, when I saw it, I remember it didn't have great reviews, and then when I watched it, I was like, my expectations are really low, and I was like, this, I don't, this is pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> I mean, okay, if you say so, people. But, you know, horror fans occasionally have a little bit of saltiness to them, so... <clears throat> they're definitely not haters Mm, definitely not go on any horror group and you will definitely not see a bunch of haters (laughs) there's definitely buckets of horror fans there's a that movie didn't scare me no movie scares me edgelords and then there's the people who are like i don't like that movie because it's popular fuck a24 i'm like everyone just calm down everybody can like what they like and don't like what they don't like and we can all be friends right be fine (laughs) gotta be okay but you know what are you gonna do all right so that's the background for this movie let's get into what it's actually about mars tell me about the possession the possession does not start off slow oh no 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 jump right in with a middle-aged lady in her house just listening to the probably one of the creepiest voices i've ever heard fabricated <laughs> for a horror movie <laughs> yeah And through a series of really long shots, uh, we learn that it's this box that's talking to her. And, I mean, we'll cut to the chase. It's a Dybbuk box, right? It's got the Hebrew writing on the outside. 
a phrase that's that means i will eat your heart and <laughs> yeah yeah the woman is clearly you know terrified of the box i i really loved when she runs her hand through her hair and her just a fistful of hair falls out and she yeah. doesn't look at it horrified like oh my god what's happening she just looks at it like it's not stopping right and she's trying to drown it out with music and she can't stop hearing the voice so she picks up a hammer and she's getting ready to try to destroy the box while her son pulls up outside to visit but as she lifts the hammer her face melts i yeah. guess i think she's having like a profound stroke yeah yeah mm -hmm. and the box starts just flinging her around and just tearing her apart yeah. while her son listens from the outside and I originally, I mean, I know we see her later. I thought that she had died here, but I thought Me too. Yeah. That she didn't. <laughs> no. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how we meet the box. Yeah. And then we get into meeting the family that we're following. Uh, we first meet Clyde, the father, who is a basketball coach. And he's, I, I, I really liked this movie. I'm just going to say it now, but I oh, really. Oh, so glad. I really that makes me happy. This this super cheesy trying to be an inspirational and it's working but where he's like we're gonna not play with this ball we're gonna play with invisible <laughs> and all these i don't know if they're high school or college or whatever age I that's think college yeah, yeah yeah at first they're like oh come on coach and then it's totally working and then yeah. it ends with them being like the ball's in my mind coach the ball's in my mind and it's like mm. this is all a right. this is a moment where you're like uh oh yeah, it did have me uh, slightly worried for the yeah. rest of this movie. I Luckily, mean, it helps that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is a really good actor. So even some of these rough patches, he is really giving his, I'm in an A-plus, you know, Oscar yeah. contender movie performance. Right, right. While he's trying to sell the idea of Invisible. Yes, this could be such a dial-it-in kind of performance for an actor, but he is... Really giving it, giving it everything. And thank God. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, luckily, this was not really a, a kind of scene that continues through the movie, but it was a rough opening when meeting this family. Fair. That is a fair criticism. Absolutely. Anyway, so after basketball practice, Clyde goes to meet up with his, or he goes to his ex wife Stephanie's house to pick up their daughters because, as we'll learn, they are, I think, three months officially divorced, separated for a year. Mm -hmm. So. You know, a lot of this story focuses on this family kind of figuring out what the new dynamic is. Yeah. But then, you know, that gets totally derailed by also demons. But, mm -hmm. I'll, you know. Anyway. And they'll do that. <laughs> yep. Their two daughters are pretty. I mean, a, a lot of this movie, I felt, was some stereotypical horror movie tropes, right? For like sure. We have For sure. The two sisters, the one who's popular and dances and the one who's a vegetarian and keeps to herself. Mm -hmm. We also kind of see that Stephanie is dating someone and, you know, I don't know. The guys seem to get a along on a surface level. I don't know. It's just sort of learning the dynamics. Clyde is taking his daughters for the weekend and he drives them out to this developing suburb where he's bought a house. But he is currently the only one who lives there, which I will say seemed like a sweet deal. Yeah. <laughs> that scene when he's angry shooting hoops, but he set up his basketball hoop just in the middle of the street because who cares because nobody right? else lives here nobody there kind of i mean i get the creepy aspect but kind of a sweet deal for a while you know if you are not worried about you know dibbox it's probably right. i mean it's like he has a ton of freaking acreage yeah yeah right 
So Hannah's super bummed because she's the popular one and this house is in the middle of, the no- of nowhere. M is excited because, as Clyde says, there are critters and we might see a raccoon. They have an okay weekend. Another way back into town, they pass a, a yard sale or an estate sale, I guess. It'd be I thought some... it was an estate sale, but, but she's, she's still dead, alive. So, so it, I think it's just a yard sale. A yard sale. Yeah. And they decide to stop. And this is when M finds the Dybbuk box because they're selling the possessions of the woman we saw in the beginning scene, which, again, like I said, I thought had died. But while M is standing there holding the Dybbuk box, a woman appears and she makes just some real intense eye contact before going in the house. Yeah. And M looks- I was expecting her to show back up, but she yeah. never did. You know, it's revealed that she's the nurse taking care of the woman from the beginning because that woman is just beat up from the Dybbuk box. I really thought she was going to end up being some sort of, I don't know, like she would recognize the cursed object and she's been tracking it down or something because that's the kind of level of eye contact. Yes, I thought she was there trying to get the Dybbuk box and she was going to come out and see the girl take off with it and be like, no. Right? And then be the expert that showed up later to help dad. Yeah. Yeah. That was the level of eye contact she was Mm -hmm. making. But instead, she's just apparently a very socially inept nurse. (laughs) So Em is standing there and she makes eye contact with the woman from the beginning who's covered in bandages, totally bedridden, and that woman just starts freaking out because, you know, the box. Yeah. There was also a moment that made this yard sale seem unbelievable when Clyde goes up to the, the son who's running the yard sale and he's like, so how much for all this? And the guy's like, mm, I don't know, 55 bucks. And Clyde's like, oh, all right. And I was like, that's not how yard sales go. There's way more haggling. Who just looks at things and is like, uh, you know, I don't know. And it seemed like a high price point for what? I mean, I I guess maybe that's why there was no haggling. His dad didn't know, and that's why he paid 50 bucks. But yeah, usually you'd be like, $50? Uh, I'll give you five. Okay, I'll take seven. Done. <laughs> right. Or you look at something that maybe you could have sold in a different venue up for 50, but you're like, this is my yard. Uh, 25 if you just get it out of here. Right! You know? That's the thing with the yard sales. They're desperate to get that shit out of there. Whatever that doesn't sell, they have to bring back into their house. I know! So that's like, why oh, you can go in there and just be like, shink, 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 give me all your possessions for five cents, shink, shink, shink. Right. <laughs> but dad like gets a, 50 bucks! A yard sale is two steps away from, I'll pay you to get my shit mm-hmm. out of here. That's but, the next step. Whatever doesn't get sold either gets left out for free right? or like, now I gotta figure out what I'm about to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, totally irrelevant. Just a, a thought I had while it was happening. But this is how M comes to acquire the Dybbuk box. That night, she's sleeping and she hears the, that whispering voice coming from the box. And they had been trying to open it. She wanted Clyde to open it, but he couldn't find seams to try to pry it open. And then he got distracted by a phone call. But she finds out he's getting potentially offered the job as head coach at a college in North Carolina. But it it is what stops him from trying to open the box. And M is left with it at night in which she accidentally opens it. Mm-hmm. And and I saw this, this scene. I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is the hook that gets Rachel. Uh-huh. <laughs> open the the antique jewelry, what would appear to be a jewelry box at right. this point, to find it full of tiny ancient little vintage artifacts yeah like yeah this is how Me. rachel gets cursed yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent if i saw i mean literally if i saw a box that was unopenable i would open it then if i saw things inside of it oh i would be all I'll open check fourth tooth in my hand cool next <laughs> like right right i would not be stopped yeah 
Yeah. <sighs> yeah this uh, is but... how I get cursed. <laughs> I know. I mean, they're going to get mauled by an animal trying to pet it, or I'm going to get cursed by a Dybbuk box because it has old things in it, and I want to see all the old things. And I would 100% be like, ooh, ring, put on. I know. <laughs> God forbid there's a brooch in there or oh, something. Oh, forget <laughs> it. It's a wrap. Game I'm over. done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're 100% correct. One of the objects that M finds is a ring, which she puts on and proceeds to wear for the remainder of the movie, for the most part. Even though it's the worst case of nickel jewelry, where it's her I hand know. is changing. No one notices. Right. No one notices. Okay. That, and it seems like not, I mean, I know this is a cursed ring, and that's where the draw is. But in real life, what a, what a I don't know how old she is, 12? 12 year old be interested in a ring like that looks like my grandfather's class ring you know it doesn't seem like something that would scream out to a 12 year old but whatever so she finds the ring which she wears a tooth a dead moth a little animal figurine of some sort all these little objects yeah air (laughs) so in the in the following days her behavior changes dramatically she starts being really solitary and she's super possessive over this box and she even becomes violent with a classmate who i don't even know where the motivation was for this other than the fact that maybe it was strange she was carrying a gym bag to class but she was carrying a gym bag to class to keep the box with her and this boy hooks the gym bag over you know Mm -hmm. drags it over to him and starts taking stuff out of it and takes the box out and that's when m starts attacking him and as a result the teacher confiscates the box and you know, calls M's parents, and it's just one of those things where they kind of attribute it to the divorce, where they're like, well, you know, she's going through a lot. That's probably what it is. And the, the argument is made, yeah, but we've been separated for a year. Like, this isn't new news, and she's been fine up until this point. You know, whatever, but we're going to chalk it up to the divorce. That evening, her teacher, whose name I don't remember, but whatever, is in the classroom, I don't know, doing teacher things. Right. When, you know, the box starts, it attracts her attention. So she's trying to pry it open. And that's when she realizes, I actually thought this was super cool. Mm-hmm. When the little flag on her desk yeah. starts blowing <laughs> in the wind that shouldn't be there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then she starts bleeding from her eyes, which was super cool. Yeah. This is what I was saying about how it, it presents a lot of the things, tropes that you know, but in different new ways. And what there's like a handful of really effectively creepy scenes in this movie i think yeah the eye bleeding didn't yes. expect it worked really well yeah the other thing i think that's really good is the actual not necessarily the exorcism but the performance leading up to the exorcism of emily going through this exorcism is not your usual style she always feels like a kind of scared little girl as opposed Mm -hmm. to there's none of the demonic smiling or you know what i mean she always presents as someone who's confused and scared and a little girl yeah and it makes it work for me i thought yeah and i i was kind of impressed by this kid's acting ability because this movie lives or dies on whether or not you believe the scare you know the possessed little girl trope and a lot of the times this is where these movies fail and i think like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, this little girl is turning in a high caliber performance in what is essentially just kind of a campy B movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is, is in its essence, this is this is just a standard, you know. Yeah. But the absolutely. thing is, is that some things are executed in ways that are either executed really well or in ways that you wouldn't expect. And the acting, I think, is really what yeah. pulls it 
along and takes it from being just your average, you know, PG-13 session movie to being something that's actually worth watching. Yeah. In my opinion. I feel like this is one of the top of this particular type of movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I would agree. Yeah. So anyway, the teacher gets murdered by the box or the thing in the box rather. And I think, I guess it's the next day, but Clyde is taking Emma out to breakfast and he's trying to ease her into like, you know why you're not in school, right? And she's like, oh yeah, because, you know, Miss whatever her name, died. And she's, you know, pretty casual about it. And uh-huh. uh, Clyde's just kind of like, yeah. You know, it was a pretty horrific accident, right? You got any thoughts or feelings on that? And um, <laughs> and, and th- I only am expanding on this moment because I really liked that part where she says, where she kind of interrupts him and she's like, so can you get my box back? And he's like, Yeah, I really love the part where he calls and she's like, don't touch my box. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I I love how this scene ends where she looks back, where she's like, can I have more, you know, whatever. And she looks over her shoulder and she's like, because she's still hungry. And her voice changed a little bit. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. uh. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into the actual dimmick in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. So anyway, so Clyde is starting to have some suspicions about the actual box, where Stephanie is ex-wife you know, thinks it's for divorce and everything, but I think because Clyde is is more exposed to M when she's being the creepiest, also because maybe, you know, that time when she stuffed two full pancakes into her mouth and then stabbed him with a fork, I yeah. also would have questions. That might be about... a hint. I mean, I feel yeah. like this thing must have escalated really quickly, and so he saw the majority of what was going on here. Right, As yeah. soon as mom sees some real evidence, she's right on board. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I, I think, like, I mean, I think this part already happened, but I wanted to bring it up because it actually was so, again, something that probably if it hadn't been executed the way it was, it wouldn't have been so creepy, but it was super creepy. But mm-hmm. it's the second weekend when Clyde brings Hannah and M to his house and they go inside and there's something in the kitchen. And it wasn't just, oh, they see a mess because they see a mess and it's still for a minute and then something rolls out from off screen. Yeah. Something is still here. And then you hear the clattering and everything. and. Clyde's doing the slow investigating and then something you don't see shoots through the doggy door. And he's yeah. like, oh, I think we have a raccoon, you know, You or wish, buddy. You fucking wish. Oh, but again, it's one of those scenes that you see something similar in so many similar movies, but for some reason it was, it was something with the lighting and the way you're so sure it's just a mess for five, six seconds and then mm-hmm. something rolls out from off screen. And you're like, oh, it's still happening. Cool. <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like it's like i said there's a lot of old tropes here well but well executed mm-hmm. in yeah. a way that elevates them from the stereotype yeah to me. and even that that whole thing of whatever it is that's causing the you know the mess or whatever quickly exiting the room and all you see is the aftermath of it having gone through a door or a window or something even uh-huh. that whole thing happens a million times and for some reason it was so creepy in this setting and in the way it was executed here so just one of those moments that i was impressed by mm-hmm. really liked oh good 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 yeah. good anyway so clyde starts asking him about this box and M tells him that there's an invisible woman who lives in the box who mm. says that M is special and uh, which <laughs> is one of those things even in a real world scenario where there's not a haunted demon box that's one of those things that you know psychologists would look for to be like oh 
let's talk about that more you know yeah. so even if, he, even if Clyde's not a hundred percent on board with haunted box he is a hundred percent on board with this is not just the divorce Ye- something yeah. else is going on here yeah so Clyde decides it's time to maybe get rid of the box which is a huge problem for him <laughs> she you think he does not take it well so she starts you know telling him that she doesn't love him and nobody loves him and all this. And then, and again, I thought this was a moment that was really well executed where right. the demon forces are making it appear as though Clyde has just slapped M twice. Right. Right. And, right. But, and even though he doesn't fully make the swing, you see his arms jerk just enough, mm-hmm. you know, from behind or from an angle. It looks like he just slapped, you know? So it's not like the demon is actually making him slap her or even making him make a big enough motion. It's just that little kind of flip of the arm just as she's, you know, yeah, being slapped by a demon, basically. Mm-hmm. So M runs out of the house. Clyde is chasing after her. Hannah has witnessed this. And what she, from her angle, what she saw was Clyde slapped M twice across the face. So M finds the box. Sets it down in a closed gas station-ish kind of setting. Right. Which the setting here was amazing. The lighting, yeah. the framing, uh-huh. the shot uh-huh. selection. Yep. Super, super good. And she's talking to it, but no longer does it seem like it's her friend. No. It's now very threatening. And M starts saying things like, no, and I don't want to, and don't, and things like that. And then just gets filled to the brim with moths. Just so many moths. <laughs> so many moths. There is a sheer volume of moths. (laughs) The sheer volume of moths. (laughs) So by the time Clyde finds her, she's passed out in the parking lot. And when he carries her back, Hannah has called both her mother. or She's called her mom at the very least. Someone's called the cops. Because what the situation looks like is it looks like Clyde beat her and then chased her down and brought her home. So, you know, post that, we're at a, a police station, I'm assuming, where it's decided that he doesn't get to see the girls and Stephanie doesn't believe him and she's super pissed. And I mean, given, given Stephanie's exposure to the situation, yeah, you know, it makes sense that she would jump to my ex-husband has lost his damn mind over right. demon box. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, which are you going to believe your daughter who was an eyewitness or that there's an evil box in it? Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> An evil box that no one has technically even really told you about that much. Yeah. Other than M's getting weird about that jewelry box. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Clyde, who I'm realizing now, you're right, he is a college basketball teacher because he knows uh, one of the professors at the university. Mm-hmm. So he brings in the Dybbuk box. Somehow there's, I mean, I don't know. I couldn't really figure out what he actually teaches because when he goes in, there's a big slide on the wall that just says something about possession across time or something. I was like, he can't be a possession professor. Maybe he's, right? uh, you know, world religion kind of person. Yeah, he's got to be like a world religion professor or something. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so he has knowledge of the Polish language and he starts telling Clyde about this Dybbuk box and kind of explains what it is and that certain cultures believed that they could trap a dislocated spirit inside of this box and you know Clyde was like well what do you what do you do when you have one and the professor's like you don't open it and Clyde's like oh dope <laughs> so I opened it yeah so meanwhile Stephanie and her boyfriend whose name I don't think I ever knew in the first place who's also a dentist by the way yes Brett are talking of his name is Brett. Brett Brett she and Brett are talking you know 
obviously Stephanie's very upset about the, the current events in her family's life. And Brett does that really hokey want to be the stepdad thing where he's like, why don't I bring, why do people say, why don't I bring over a stack of DVDs? Let's be yeah. honest. You're going to watch one. You bring three, maybe. Yeah. 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 You know, but anyway, he did the whole, why don't, I'll, I'll just bring over a stack of, also Brett, what movies are, do you own that you can bring a stack of that two teenage kids are going to be into? Right. Right. Interesting. Nobody wants to watch your Band of Brothers DVDs, okay? <laughs> right. No one wants to watch the Pelican Brief with you, Brett. But, uh... <laughs> so Brett's doing that whole hokey, like, oh, well, why don't why don't I bring over a stack of my DVDs and we'll order a pizza and we'll lighten up the mood in this house? And Stephanie somehow is charmed by it, but whatever, to each his own, I suppose. Yep. So Brett goes outside to, I don't know to his car or something and m is there acting super creepy right and hands him it's the tooth i'm assuming from mm-hmm. the box yeah so he starts you know looking at it and being a, a little bit i mean he wasn't totally like oh whoa but he was a little bit like oh where'd you get this this is interesting i'm like no you should be terrified that a 12 year old just handed you a full tooth root and everything root and stem dude that thing you- was creepy yeah you should be real concerned uh-huh that isn't a baby tooth that just fell out that is a That's whole a- ass tooth that is a whole ass tooth <laughs> that tooth did not fall out of its own accord oh, no, no, no. that no. tooth was removed yeah <laughs> yeah so while he's got his back turned inspecting this tooth that his girlfriend's daughter has brought him M goes through a series of convulsions but manages to stay the demon away the and... eye stuff in this movie is very oh. upsetting. The way it, yeah. it's poking eyes around backwards oh. and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But then M kind of loses it on him and tells him that he should leave and nobody wants him there. And Yeah, yeah and he's it's like, a... well, get used to it. This, yeah. this movie doesn't go full villain with him, but between this and giving the other daughter a complex about her teeth, it doesn't necessarily want you to like Brett very much. No, right? <laughs> We're not exactly set up to root for Brett. No, 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 no. So when he does exit the film, because M starts making his teeth fall out yeah. with her mind, nobody's real sad about it. There's a handful of just visual moments in this movie that are forever in my mind and I, that really make this movie stand out. One of them is definitely when his teeth just start falling out of his head. and you just see the empty gums where his teeth were it's like that nightmare that you have when your teeth are falling out yeah i was gonna say it's an actual recurring nightmare that a lot of people have is their teeth falling out the degree of gtfo that he does in this oh my god he just gets in his car doesn't even close the door and is like especially since if you think about it from a logical standpoint if your teeth just started falling out of your face Why would you try to drive away from that? Maybe if you are in such a panic that you're like, I got to get to an emergency room now. But I feel like your instincts would be like, I got to go back into the house and be like, hey, Stephanie, something fucked up is happening to me right now. I mean, to be fair, the daughter does have demon wind all around her. (laughs) That's true. Solid point. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing we didn't talk about was the first time we see the demon. We don't see the whole demon. The see fingers a... in the throat. Yeah. What'd you think about that? Oh. Uh. <laughs> Were you expecting that at all? I think that's something that's in the trailer. That's why I was like, don't watch the trailer. Don't watch oh. the trailer. Yeah, wasn't expecting that. 
No. To just see two grown-ass person's fingers in the back of her throat. Oh, God. And I was expecting a moth, actually. I thought it was a moth was going to come out of her mouth. But then all of a sudden it was fingers, and it was (laughs) not what I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's one of the standout scenes for me in this movie is all of the Dybbuk inside her stuff. Yeah. Literally inside her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. After... M and the demon wind try to take Brett's teeth away from him. She collapses on a long convulsing, which is what kind of triggers the family to taking her to a hospital to get an MRI, which leads to the second Dybbuk inside her moment that is super, super creepy. But they're getting, they're running this MRI. Lights start flashing. Hannah is watching in horror as the image enhances of M's chest cavity. As soon as this started, I was like, you're going to see something inside of her. But I wasn't even expecting it to be this. Right. I was wondering what you thought about this scene. I mean, the way it was setting up, I was like, well, clearly we're going to see something inside of her that's not supposed to be there. But again, re-expecting moths. (laughs) Did not picture this. Did not picture a full fetal dimmick just kind of nestled behind her lungs and also to be moving in what's supposed to be a still image. Yeah. Yeah. It's really creepy. This is what I'm saying. When I saw this movie, I was like, I'm seeing things I have not seen before. And I think that is such an interesting take on possession that it has literally taken possession of her body, not spiritual possession, but it is literally inside Inside of her her body body was, I thought, a fresh take on this idea that, yes, there is a spiritual aspect to this, no doubt, because it's taking over her mind. But the stuff about the eyes rolling into the back of her head suddenly takes on an almost physiological thing because you can see the hand moving up and moving the eyes and yeah. and that is paid off in the scene here where we see that this thing is it's living inside of her i was just like, holy yeah. shit yeah. yeah yeah meanwhile clyde has tracked down a hasidic community in brooklyn mm-hmm. where he's gonna he's trying to ask them for help essentially he finds a rabbi name i'm not gonna be able to i pronounce. think it's zadok zadok mm-hmm. okay a rabbi named zadok who brings him to his temple and that's where he learns that, you know, he learns more about possession. He learns more about the Dybbuk box. Once he tells everybody that his daughter opened it, oh pretty much everybody's just like, "Welp, sorry. In God's hands now. Bye. Good luck to you. Hope, hope you move on quickly. I did think that <laughs> the little gasp of horror was pretty effective. Yeah. You know you're screwed. <laughs> right. Place. The minute he reveals the box, everybody's like, <gasps> and you're like, I didn't even start talking yet. Yeah. Like, I didn't even start telling you about this shit that's been going on. Mm-hmm. You're you're horrified by the box? Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. As soon as they know he opened it, they were like, well, we don't even need to hear any further because. Yeah, they almost seem more horrified upon seeing it than finding out it was in the third stage or whatever. Because they're like, well, that's going to be over and done with soon. Yeah. Uh Good luck. <laughs> Yikes. Yep. So as Clyde's leaving, he's super pissed because nobody will help him. Zadok follows him and tells him not only is he allowed to help, but he's also obligated. And so they're in the car driving back to the family at the hospital. And Zadok is inspecting the box. And he says that once they learn the demon's name, they'll be able to send it back to the box. Mm-hmm. And through inspecting the box, Zadok learns that the name is Abilu, or the Taker of Children. I know everybody's name kind of means something, but I feel like this Dybbuk's parents were 
really setting them up for right for an right. afterlife of child stealing. Yeah, like, it's like Rachel you, means you, Lamb of God. <laughs> it's like if you named your your child Doctor, right? You know, right? Like, you get to be one thing, right? Except for it was like, this is my son serial killer. Right. <laughs> this is my daughter pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rough stuff yeah. rough stuff yeah <laughs> really set this demon up for failure so you did me. you remember who i said appeared in this movie that was kind of an interesting casting choice no i don't remember so i'm sorry did sadik look familiar to you at all yeah but i didn't look him up he is the reggae fusion singer Mata's yahoo oh no shit really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is, I mean, just an interesting cast choice. I don't know that he's done any other acting, but yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Clyde and Zadok join the rest of the family at the hospital where M is in sort of a catatonic ish state. And this is when Zadok is like, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and do a possession, but we can't do it here. You know, we got to go somewhere where it's a little bit more private. So they take her down to, I think he said it was a physical therapy room that sometimes the basketball players use, but after a certain hour, nobody ever goes down there or whatever. Exorcism occurs, which again, there were some moves in here that I didn't expect. Having seen uh -huh. many cinematic exorcisms, there were some things here that were really, really interesting. You know, the wave and the water coming up behind Zadok as mm -hmm. if something was swimming towards him. And mm -hmm. the way M leaps up onto him, you know, when they think she's relaxed, but she's not. You know, she takes that breather where they're like, oh, she stopped. And mm -hmm. then she just starts screaming again. There were a lot of a lot of elements in, in this that I thought made it a unique possession, a unique cinematic yeah. exorcism. Oh, yeah. Eventually, M escapes. Clyde's chasing her down. Zadok's trying to tell her that's not your daughter anymore. Clyde is starting to try to bargain with the demon. Right. He's doing the whole take me instead thing, which the demon takes him up on. Yeah, she out. takes him on his word and uh, scoots on in. Yep, yep. But, uh, he gets himself a brand new psychic parasite, literally. <laughs> yeah. But uh, luckily for the family, Zadok has learned the demon's name or whatever. And so he, and, and again, what should have been overly dramatic, we've seen it a million times. This is yelling Stella, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, he starts mm -hmm. yelling out the demon's name. But somehow, I don't know if it's the delivery or because I really liked, I, again, I didn't know it was Modest Yahoo at the time. But I really liked this actor or something, but it actually felt a little bit like, yeah, okay, uh -huh, all right. Uh -huh. It's interesting, I don't know, like a day or two before I rewatched this movie, I was playing this game called Phasmophobia. Have you ever heard of it? No. So it is a ghost hunting game, and you play it with a group of people, and you have to go into like a house that has a haunting, and you have all these tools, ghost hunting tools, and you got to try to figure out what kind of ghost it is. And then there's additional little objectives that you can do to earn more money so that you can buy more equipment whatever doesn't matter but the point is one of the elements of this game is that the game listens to you <gasps> so it can always hear you whether you're talking over the mic the the walkie-talkies or just talking right oh my god and so one of the things you can do if you're not getting a response from the ghost is you can say their name and it'll make oh them gosh. angry and they'll respond so i was just like oh <laughs> <laughs> that is a really fun creepy game because then at some point the ghost goes into a hunting phase and you can hide and hope it doesn't find you 
but if I find you, <laughs> you're dead. Oh my god! And then you're like a ghost for the rest of the round, and you can float around and stuff. But that's a really cool game feature. It's really fun. It's very, very fun and very scary because when that ghost starts going crazy, it's really creepy. Ooh. It's really fun. That sounds really cool. Anyways, really fun, but it also totally reminded me of this because saying its name had such an important sort of element in this plot. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, it's something that is pretty stereotypical and probably shouldn't have been as impactful as it was. It was just a really cool moment. He does end up calling the demon out who exits Clyde's body in a, in a very literal sense. Yeah. And crawls its way back to the box. Demon design, I mean, it was gross. Yeah. It was pretty gross. Yeah. You know, of all the times that we've seen demons like this, usually, I mean, they're not even really fully physical, I feel like, most of no. the time when we see this happen. No. It's not a physical being that's crawling out of, you know, it's more an essence is sucked from your body kind of thing but this was a fully physical little creature and it was humanoid in nature and it was slimy looking and it was super gross and crawled back into its box and the family gets to carry on Uh uh-huh i did like the the element of how the box you couldn't destroy the or didn't want the box destroyed it's not like it just wanted to escape the box the box was its home and it would go yeah. back and forth between the girl and the box and the girl and the box. And so it needed to have that box as an interesting, I mean, I, you yeah. know, just like an interesting sort of dynamic mythology element. Yeah. 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 I thought so too, because a lot of these times, these possession stories are about something trying to permanently exist in a human or, or exist long enough to take that person's soul back to hell with it or whatever. But yeah. it wasn't like a, no, this is just its actual function. Yeah. in the real world is to go back and forth between this box and whichever and its target mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what i said there's no real twisty twist the very very ending is kind of twisty yeah but for the most part it's not really a twisty twist movie no but solid ending if you ask me oh yeah you know me yeah you know me. i do i i do i do love a not so happy ending right so the movie closes with clyde on the phone with zadok who's zadok is saying he and his father have come up with a plan on how they're gonna you know hide the box get rid of the box or whatever so that nobody ever finds it when zadik's t-bone just absolutely Mm -hmm. destroyed by a truck and the box flies out of the car and just kind of lands out in the open as a crowd of people are gathering and then we just hear the little voice yeah i do like it a little bit when the trap is still active at the end of the movie everything is not tidied away yeah, because it's one of those things where you think, okay, so we got it back into the box, but you forget that that's half of its life anyway, Yeah, is the box. It's not It's not contained necessarily by the box. It's not like they trapped it in the box. Yeah. The half of its existence is about going back and forth between the box and outside of the right. box and controlling right. its environment outside of the box, you know? You get that false sense of security of like, oh, no. It's defeated. It's trapped, but it's uh, no, it's, no, it's just not. Mad. No, in the minute it thought it was going to be trapped, it's a wrap. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, all right. What did you think overall of this movie? I I was I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, going into it when having just heard you talk about it, I was expecting to like it. Starting it, uh, I realized, like I was saying earlier, the reason why I've never watched it is because it did come out at the tail end of those. Yeah pretty similar 
PG-13 horror movies and I was kind of just burnt out and I was like I don't I don't need any more of this you know yeah totally and because it kind of came out towards the end of that fa- that phase it was I was done you know yeah nah. so I skipped it and it's like man if this one had come out at the head of that or even mm-hmm. you know somewhere towards the beginning of that whole trend I think things would have gone a lot differently for this movie <laughs> for the poor movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think you're right yeah I would definitely call this a hidden gem because I think it is something based on the description and again the time period and the way it looks. I think a lot of people would be like, "eh, standard possession." Hundred percent, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but it is definitely worth watching. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I definitely think I agree with you that it is a hidden gem, and I do think it is somewhat a victim of when it came out because there is just a proliferation of shitty possession movies to do the same thing over and over and over again. And yes, some of those things do, some of those beats are definitely a part of this, but I think that there are a handful of truly genuinely creepy scenes and strong performances throughout by all the characters that really elevate this to be the best of those, that kind of little corner of the horror genre. Right. I think that they're by changing up the mythology behind it away from sort of the Judeo-Christian possession that we've seen a billion times, adding in the wrinkle of a new mythology elevates it too, because you don't actually know exactly how this thing operates because it doesn't operate like all the demons we've seen a hundred times before. And yeah, I, I, I think it has like you, I, I think it has a really great ending and I, I mean, I don't know about the whole metaphor for divorce, but I do think that leaning into the family drama and making all of those characters actually likable and people that you are somewhat invested in adds to the degree of stakes in this movie. Yeah, because even the sister, Hannah, Mm -hmm. who, you know, we meet her and she's on her Bluetooth phone with her friend and she's like, oh, hey, how's it going? And her dad thinks she's talking to him and he's like, oh, I'm good. How are you? And she just kind of literally uses an arm to push him away and yeah. goes to the car you know and she's on the dance team and she's pretty and she's you know popular and stuff so you're expecting one kind of character but pretty early on as soon as em puts the ring on and starts feeling different uh, the scene we get is hannah trying to cheer her sister up yeah and she genuinely has moments with the movie where she is honestly invested in mm-hmm. her sister's well-being and she's you know concerned and she's in this for her sister and not just because well this is my family and i'm tagging along or i'm getting dragged along or whatever she's invested and that's not something that you would have expected of that character the way she's first presented and the way that same character is presented in all the similar movies 100 percent, you know so it just it goes back to that thing where we're seeing the same sort of elements that are in these other movies but they're executed in different ways and they're presented differently in that it makes us not like every other movie that it should be like yeah I agree. I also think the dynamic between the dad and the boyfriend is interesting. It is much more realistic that it's cordial, but a little bit tense. And that his issue with him is not about being like, I'm the dad. He really only has an issue with that guy when he starts getting in his daughter's head. And there's this really great scene between the older daughter and the dad where she's talking about like, I'm disfigured and really feeling insecure about her teeth. And he's just like, you're perfect. I was just like, oh, girl, dad, yes. And I think that most movies in this genre would not have that scene. Yeah. It would be more so him being like, 
oh, she is becoming attached to my ex-wife's boyfriend. Right. And that's the issue I'm taking with this. No, like, I'm dad. She better not call you dad. Yeah, but instead it was just, how dare this man make my daughter feel insecure yes. about herself and i did love that scene where he's like stay the fuck away from my kids team. I was <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, dad. but that's what i'm saying i think there are some real subtle touches here that because the director kind of comes from a place of wanting to write sort of a family drama or a psychological drama he spends some times giving us character ba- beats that make these people feel like real people instead of just a series of this type of movie tropes and then you add to that that you have actual good actors in all of these roles i mean grant show is i'm sure perfectly fine i wasn't like a big melrose fan so i don't really have any feelings about him but kara sedgwick kara sedgwick is a great actress these girls are great especially the younger girl what she's asked to do is pretty incredible and then obviously jeffrey dean morgan is amazing he's papa winchester how do you not love him yeah so i read a little bit about how the director directed the littlest girl and he said he kind of took her through a trance a little bit to get her to a place where she was you know experiencing the possession he did some sort of work with her instead of being just like okay you know act like you're scared he actually kind of did some meditation and stuff like that and what ended up coming forward was this performance of her being scared essentially of what was happening that's crazy and that's why instead of being your typical demonic character we got a genuinely scared little girl performance which i think is way more realistic than the usual child crawling on the ceiling shit we usually get with these yeah or or even that scene you know when they go into em's room and she's surrounded by moths and the room is just completely filled by moths and so the next day they're leaving the house and he's trying to get a an exterminator in because he thinks it's a moth problem and not a demon problem yeah and they're in the car and she asks him what happened because she doesn't remember. Yeah. You know, as much as that's significant for the fact of like, oh, she, she doesn't remember this whole thing happening. But the way she delivers that where she's honestly almost scared to ask what happened, but just can tell that something is really, really wrong. Yeah. And all she says is what happened. And it delivered so much more than just, oh, she doesn't remember. Yeah. She doesn't remember, but she can tell just by the atmosphere and how tense her dad and her sister are that something really bad has happened yeah the oh the moth fact so i know a lot of those moths were cg obviously but there were actually a lot of real moths in this movie to the point where they had to have a moth wrangler oh no whose job it was to deal with all the live moths (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) uh yeah overall like this movie so glad you liked it and i hadn't overhyped it but you needed to know about the davis boxes it's a must do it's a must do (sighs) they're so creepy yeah, when we go to Vegas, we're going to go see that divot box. <laughs> we're going to go see that divot box. <laughs> All right, awesome. So now, Marzi, if you were going to go back and watch this movie again, what drink would you pair with it? I don't know how PC this is, but uh, I'd go with Manischewitz. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Listen, Manischewitz is tasty. <laughs> I mean... As a wine fan, this is just the on-theme wine right? for this movie. You're like, a wine, a, a kosher wine. Right? right? <laughs> nice. Excellent choice. I will raise a glass of Manischewitz to that. Alrighty. So, listener feedback. We don't have any emails this time, but if you want to drop us a line, maybe you have some other hidden gems for us or some thoughts. I remember last time we covered 
the golem. We got a really great email that gave us a bunch of cultural context. If that person is still out there and we got something wrong and we need to be educated, please don't be afraid to drop us a line because we would love to know. Or if you just want to say, hey, you can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com or head over to the Zombie Girls Facebook page or to our Twitter at ZG Podcast and hit us up there. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking for something to watch tonight, you can check out our VOD calendar over on the Zombie Girls website where we keep track of all the horror and horror-adjacent stuff that is coming out on VOD and streaming soon and will probably at some point be covered on the show. And if you want to look super hot and have all the ladies or the fellas think you're the hottest shit ever, you should head over to our Tee Public website and buy one of our, our Tee Public store and buy one of our shirts at tpublic.com forward slash zombie dash girls dash podcast. And if you really, really, really love us, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls. And one of the perks of that is that all of the episodes for patrons are extended. That's right. More of this. You know you want it. For instance, this time we're going to be talking about the true story because this is quote unquote based on a true story. So we're going to talk about the true story behind this movie, what it was based on. So that'll be fun. And finally, if you're a nerd and you like video games, you should definitely follow our Twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash All right. So aside from that, the only thing we have to plug again is our collaboration with the Here's Johnny guys. Check out their latest episode. It should be one of our Saw episodes, if not the first Saw episode, as we lose our minds going through that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just say there are some definitely unexpected moments in these podcasts. They... they... There, something they, required uh, me to literally rip my headphones off my head and throw them across the room in horror. <laughs> yeah, and I, I reacted in much the same way, but completely silently because I couldn't find my voice. So <laughs> <laughs> it was just me, I think, unblinking with eyes the widest open they've ever been. Just, oh. <laughs> yeah, and man, you want to talk about movies with plot twists. Oh, that podcast plot. is a plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right. So I guess it just leaves our plan for the next episode. Now, Marzi, I picked this movie, which means it's your turn. What are we watching on the next show? Okay. So this is a movie that was on my Hulu movie cycle. And I honestly skipped over it a few times because I just... I don't know. Every time it came time to watch this movie, I was kind of like, I don't know. I'm not really feeling this. I don't think I'm going to be into it. I went in completely cold. Okay. Was not expecting a single element of this movie to be present in this movie. So So I have seen it before, full disclosure. Okay. But I am choosing a movie on Hulu called Anna and the Apocalypse. Aha. I have not seen this, but I have heard of it. Christmas is coming in June, my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is our halfway to Christmas thing. You know I love Christmas. So if you want to start celebrating it in June, I have no problem with that. <laughs> All right, we are we are Anna and the Apocalypse. The question is Anna and the, will there be the, songs on the next episode? You're gonna have to tune in to find out. 
Yup. <laughs> I like, I challenge you to pick your favorite song and, and sing a couple uh, lines from it on the next episode. Yeah. So that was the thing. I had no idea this was going to be a musical. Oh, you didn't. Uh-uh. So I was just watching it like, mm, it's just going to be a, a B movie about kids fighting zombies. And then oh, no. the singing started. Oh, yes. It's a full-on <laughs> like, oh, musical. Yeah. <laughs> where am I right now? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. I know. I have not seen this movie, but I know a little bit about it, the story behind it. There's kind of a touching story behind it, a little sad, touching story. So I don't know if you know this, but we'll talk about it's it on not. the next episode I'm during interested. the background info. It has. Right. It, it's going to touch your heart, Mars. It's going to touch your heart. Mm. All right. So unless people are sticking around for the extended episode, that is it for us this week. Mars, take us out. Thanks for coming back, everybody. And for all of our patrons out there, stick around because there's more to this episode. But no matter who you are, patron or otherwise, we really, really appreciate you coming here. And uh, we'll see you next time. Good night, folks. Good night, folks. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to Mars for always being willing to geek out about horror movies with me. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel Metzman-Rucker. And our theme song for this show is Die Historic by Three Chain Links.